0: ¿Qué And Welcome to Listen, St. Benedict Speaks Today, a discussion of the Rule of St. Benedict with the Sisters of Mount St. Scholastica in Atchison, Kansas. I'm Sister Molly Brockwell.
1: And I'm novice Jennifer Halling.
0: And our guest today is Sister Judith Sutera, who is a writer, teacher, retreat director, and editor of Magistra, a journal of women's spirituality and history.
1: Hello to all our listeners. I look forward to exploring the world of St. Benedict with you.
0: Today, as a foundation for our future podcasts about the rule of St. Benedict, we'd like to explore the life and times of St. Benedict and how he came to be the father of monasticism.
1: Sister Judith, what can you tell us about the life of St. Benedict? St. Benedict and his sister St. Scholastica were born in Norcia, Italy in the year 480. From the earliest days of the church, groups of Christians lived and prayed together or shared some kind of communal life. The most familiar are the household churches of the Acts of the Apostles, uh, the groups of widows and virgins, and gatherings of hermits in the Egyptian and Syrian desert. In some areas, there was also contact with Buddhist and Hindu monastic groups, as well as the Jewish Essenes. Hmm. So by the time St. Benedict came along, there were many types of communal life and many documents for their governance. The end of the 5th century was a time of great turmoil. The Roman Empire had pretty much come to an end, and there were many people of different races and cultures coming into the region. There were also a lot of little wars as different people vied for territory and power. As an aristocrat, Benedict was sent as a youth to study in Rome, but the corruption and the social upheaval troubled him. So he left to become a hermit. He probably had known the little settlement of hermits near his hometown when he was a boy. And eventually others came to him for inspiration and a spiritual guidance, and a community formed around him. If you visit his home in in, uh, his first monastery in Italy at Subiaco, there's a beautiful cave and a church is built around this cave where it shows him praying and meditating and living as a hermit. And then you go down a flight of steps and there's a second little cave and it doesn't have any beautiful uh, statues or candles or anything like that. And it just has a plaque that says, this is the shepherd's cave where he came to, to teach the people thereby forging the dual path his followers are to walk so there's a sense of him needing to be alone with god to refill his tank but also feeling that as he reads the scripture that it calls him to serve people and the people's desire for that
0: Um, the caves there at subiaco are just beautiful it's a an amazing place to be
1: they are the entire church is built onto the cliff with the two caves inside it um, some people and even the author of the recent bestseller the Benedict option seem to want to focus on him as uh, somebody who's fleeing from a depraved world and just wants people to just leave the sinking ship and circle the wagons or whatever but um, he was really very engaged with other people and he was really very accepting of his interaction with even the heretics and the barbarians, all kinds of people who came there. Uh, We know this because we have a story of his life from Pope Gregory the Great, who was writing only a generation or so after his time. So he even cites some of his sources and he says this person was an eyewitness or this is the son of the person it happened to or something like that. So it's well footnoted. And uh, some people think St. Benedict created monastic life in the first rule, but there's really not very much in it that's original. Uh, Rather, what he is is the great synthesizer. He pulls the many strains together and offers a summary, if you will, so it was moderate and compassionate and yet challenging. Uh, Because of some circumstances in history that we won't go into, his rule came to be the standard. And so the Benedictine way of life is the oldest ongoing institution in all of Western civilization, except for the church itself. Wow. Mm -hmm. But Benedict thought he was just writing something for his own house. (laughs) I would have had no idea how this thing was going to unfold. Others consulted him probably and he did himself have more than one settlement in his lifetime because throughout the rule he often says, you know, if you need to adapt it or you need to do something differently, do what works best for you. And that doesn't mean just drop anything that seems hard, but uh, rather use common sense if your circumstances are different or a different schedule works better. So he covers a lot more ground than some of the early rules. But he doesn't uh, lock people into rigid practices and especially not really harsh practices. It's all about living together and I think he knows that living with other people can be enough penance if we do it cheerfully and generously. With people who are very different from ourselves and also will help us to both know God better and know ourselves better. So this is what makes it so flexible and moderate and able to survive through every culture and century that's used it. When we hear rule, we think rules like a Mm -hmm. list of do's and don'ts. Um, But this is really wisdom literature. Um, This is more like a ruler, um, a measure. So we talk about a rule like a long stick that has Mm -hmm. little markings on it. Mm -hmm. And that's really the kind of rule this is. It's a measure that we measure against the ideal. Nobody's perfect, and he says that very often, but he also says very often, never despair of God's mercy. So it's not you have to do all of these things and you have to do them perfectly, but we're trying to do as much of it as we can in order to
0: grow in our self-knowledge and our God-knowledge. Doesn't he also say that he wants to give the strong something to strive for?
1: And the weak nothing to despair over. Yes. Yeah, it's all about the individual and where that individual is
0: in their life and their journey. So what does St. Benedict have to say to us in the 21st century?
1: I think he's saying the same thing that every wisdom figure in every age has said, the truth is always the truth. The world still hungers for a life of regular prayer, for moderation and balance in our various activities, for stable relationships that allow us to know ourselves better through our mutual love. I think we think that we don't need those stable relationships today, but we're coming to the conclusion healthy psychology tells us that we do. A reverence for all of creation. Again, we're coming in this century to a much greater awareness of the oneness of everything and how responsible we are for everything that we have and do. Simple lifestyle, radical self-awareness. The ancients called it humility, but what it is is radical self-awareness and awareness of the power of God. Um, Silence, contemplation, all of those things are things that, that are certainly things people want to know in the 21st century, but some of them are very afraid of what it costs. Mm-hmm. Well, as you noted, Saint Benedict wrote his rule for his community of brothers. Can the rule be a guide for lay people as well as monastics? I think everything I've just mentioned, those are all real hungers that we hear voiced from all kinds of people. If we wanna know if it works for other, people other than monastics, all we have to do is look at the list on Amazon of the number of books that have been written about this spirituality in recent decades. So we've got titles including The Rule for Business, The Rule for Families, The Rule for Evangelicals. There's even a one that came out last year called The Rule for Boomers. Mm. Um, thousands of people on all the inhabited continents have become oblates. Uh, These are people who associate themselves with monasteries and make a commitment to try to live out these values in their ordinary daily lay life. And the people that our community has over 200, and they tell us over and over again that their lives and their world desperately need this kind of course corrective. And especially in in a world that values the inflation of the self the use and abuse of other people, the instability of place, the instability of commitment, the noise, the busyness, the distraction. And that's what they they come to us for. So can you give us an idea of some of the themes we can expect to see in the rule as we explore it in future podcast sessions? Sure, one of the most important ones is that life is all a one, um, the ancients talk about praying always. When she, that doesn't mean you stay on your knees all day, but that everything that we do is a recognition and a worship of God. So then he goes through the different things that make up a day, but they all are supposed to be uh, in the presence, in the sight of God. So we need a structure of prayer, different times of the day when we stop and say, it's not about me, it's about God. Um, holy reading and other kinds of contemplation and private prayer, um, a structure that helps us to see everything we do as a way of making sacred. So when he talks about serving the meal or reading the table reading or doing the manual labor, everything is about a reverence for all of life and all of life being part of this same kind of um, oneness. So that's what we're really looking at. He's looking at different topics, but he's seeing the same thing. The quest for God and the quest for knowing ourselves and becoming more the person God wants us to be. Humility is especially important to Benedict, isn't it? It is, and it's so misunderstood. I mean, when you talk about humility today, people either confuse it with humiliation things that are embarrassing or you know, putting right. down. Or they think of humility as like your mother used to say, now don't be bragging about yourself. Mm-hmm. And humility is for these people, as I said, the radical self-awareness. First you start out by realizing that God is God and you're not. And a lot of people today can't get past that. Mm-hmm. And so when we're looking at humility, what he's saying is first thing you have to know is that God is in charge and that sometimes things aren't going to go your way and sometimes you're going to be mistreated and sometimes life's going to be hard. But humility is the ability to take that with some kind of equanimity so that I know that that God has this. So the humility is throwing ourselves in God's hands. He has 12 steps of humility, just like they have 12 steps of AA. Mm-hmm. They start with recognizing our own helplessness, and then how do we recognize the things that we've done wrong, and how do we pull ourselves back out of that? So when he has these steps of humility, the highest one is not to feel like a worm. That's somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, but that you pull yourself back out by saying, Oh, my gosh, I am so small, and God is so great, but God loves me anyway. And that's when we reach real humility.
0: I never realized that was it Bill W. Had uh-huh. uh, he might have a monastic source somewhere? In yes, it. yes, because he
1: was uh, one of his uh, spiritual guides was an Epis- Episcopal priest, and there's probably at least some knowledge of the Rule of Saint Benedict in there somewhere. There's a couple of things that some authors are exploring right now to figure out how much he really knew what he was doing there. But again, the truth is always the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, so so the only way we come to radical self-awareness, no matter whether we do it through the steps of humility or the steps of AA or whatever, is to recognize our own tininess and then to recognize from that all the things we might have done that we probably shouldn't have or all of the ways that we're inadequate. But again, to not be left there to say that that is what God uses then to lift us up.
0: That's wonderful. Well, with that, I think we need to close for today. Thank you very much, Sister Judith, for sharing your insights with us. Listen, listen, and incline the ear of your heart. Listen, St. Benedict Speaks Today is a production of Mount St. Scholastica in Atchison, Kansas. Production assistance was provided by Mary Manicki. The translation of the Rule of St. Benedict that we used in this podcast is RB1980, published by Liturgical Press. Our theme music was composed by Sister Susan Barber and performed by the Sisters of Mount St. Scholastica. We invite you to learn more about the Mount community by visiting our website at www.mountosb.org. Thank you for listening.